Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. let's go let's go baby we are dmvr bus primetime presented by illegal pete's everyone's go-to spot for burritos buddies and beers um unbelievable ryan unbelievable football game we witnessed on saturday such an unbelievable football game such an unbelievable whatever it's been 48 hours since it ended i honestly have no idea um and such an unbelievable football game uh, that we could not wait any longer to talk about it. Um, the entire company is off today. Um, yes. And I was given so much pushback when I was like, okay, but come on, the buffs. Right. <laughs> uh, we got to talk. What do you mean everyone's off? We have to talk about the buffs. Uh, and everyone was like, no, the producers never get a day off. This, that, the other, we never, you know, and I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it myself. Um, so I am producing this show. Uh, that, that's the reason why we're not in um, in studio, because I don't think I would be able to do it from studio. But I figured, all right, we can figure out how to do this uh, on the Internet. So self-production, everything that goes wrong, 100% my fault. Um <laughs> If you're, you know, like I, I won't be able to bring up everyone's comments the way as well as Alyssa normally does. Um, I'll try to save some stuff for later in the show so we can get to questions, but uh, it's going to be tough. So uh, hang on tight. Uh, anything could happen. You're just like Travis, bro. You're a two-way podcaster right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Get you a man who can do both. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into it. Um, we talked about Travis Shador Dylan on Saturday quite a bit. 
but there was a lot of plays, a lot of players out there balling, uh, guys that need their flowers, man. So let's get into some of the unheralded plays and unsung heroes of this game. Where do you want to start? Which one stands out to you? Man, um, there's so many, like, just little plays, little moments, little performances that allowed this to happen. And, of course, we're going to give Shador and Travis and Dylan Edwards and Coach Prime uh, all of the love that they deserve. And we did the other night, and it's only going to keep coming for them. It's only it's only coming from every angle for, from them, like um, Sports Center, Undisputed, First Take. Like, they're getting their flowers. But <clears throat> I think the one that stood out to me, maybe it's just because it's the first one, but – Michael Harrison, on the very first drive of the game, gets a quick little speed screen from Shador, who looks out there and says, oh, they're playing way off on him. It's third and eight. And I'm assuming uh, Groan was thinking, well, let me get us to fourth and two, and I bet you we'll go for it here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Michael Harrison gets out there, breaks a tackle, and dives for the first down. And it was just like one in the series of a long string of events that said they just want it more. And we'll talk more about that later, but it was just like, let's go. It was, it was a total like power of will play. And it just was like the first little sign of like, Oh, these boys came out here with their hair on fire. No doubt, man. goes back to what Tim Brewster said on Saturday about Michael Harrison and just being that natural receiver to go and like play tight end now. I mean, he obviously is a little bit smaller for a tight end than many would project, you know, a starting tight end in Power 5 football to be. But he's a legitimate receiver. And you saw that in the catch and run. He had multiple plays like that where he was able to explode upfield and really look like a receiver out there. Uh, he had a great game. Looking at the stats, uh, only two catches for 12 yards, but I'd Pretty sure both of those catches were massive in just the context of the game and keeping drives alive for this team. Yeah, uh, it was so awesome to see. And and um, again, just like little little things like this popped up everywhere. Just about everyone who put on a uniform uh, made a play. And it was so cool to see. And that's one of the things that uh, I also wanted to talk about that popped out to me on the film. Let me actually pull out my notes here. I'm trying to do a lot at once. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> One of the things that popped out to me is like, and I can't remember if we talked about this on the post game show. You know how uh, in basketball, a coach will roll out like a playoff rotation, and it's like, yes. hey, we're just going to play our best guys because we only have, you know, uh, a few more opportunities left. Um, we have to play our best players. I kind of got that feeling when I rewatched the tape. There was not a lot of rotations going. Um, And I think Coach Prime was just like, hey, a lot of you guys are going to get in. A lot of you guys are going to get opportunities. But right now is not that time. Um, Because it's our first game of the season and because it's against a very difficult opponent, we got to go with the best of the best. So, of course, you know, a lot of players played, but not nearly as many as I thought. And so, like, um, you know, Carter Stoutmeyer is a guy who we talked about who was in the right. role in the mix for number two corner. He barely was out there because Omari and Cooper won the job and he got to play the whole game. Um, Cam Silman Craig is another guy who, who yep. we thought would play. Now, he was in there on third down, uh, 
the last third down before the last play of the game, he was in there. So he did play, but not as much as we thought he would. And these are guys who are, are ballers, you know. Um, Kavasi Smoke is another guy who we thought would be a big part of it. Um, wasn't Alton. In the, yeah, Alton, in that, based on what Coach Flea told us before the game, felt like it was a little bit more injury-related. But Alton mm-hmm. uh, didn't play. Like, a lot of guys that we just thought, okay, like, in the over the course of a season – you're going to see this guy play and you're going to see this guy make a lot of plays. And I still believe that to be true, but I feel like coach prime was like, all right, first game, young team, new team. I'm going to go with the guys that I trust the most and play them as much as I possibly can. And of course that led to, you know, uh, Travis Hunter playing 139 snaps. Um, I'll throw a Demoy Kennedy out there as another guy. I mean, I did, I don't know how much he played. He didn't register a tackle though. So he wasn't on the field too much, but it's crazy, man. Just thinking about that, you know, the guys who, um, you know, Jaquez didn't travel with the team. Like this team still has weapons like in reserves ready to go out there in these games throughout this year. This team is only going to get better. This literally was step one of this entire process. I want to talk about the play where Bishop Thomas was in there at fullback and just absolutely leveled the poor linebacker there. And then there was a business decision made uh, by one of the safeties on the other end. It's what you said. It was domination of force. And they really like made TCU feel it uh, physically, man. They were just all over them all game. They really punched them in the mouth. I don't think TCU expected that type of response from the buffs that, I mean, right away, just throughout the game. Totally. Uh, it was... Man, it was great to see. There are so many times as a Colorado fan where you get your hopes up so high and the team just goes out there and lets you down from the opening kick. Um, and you could just tell, like, they just don't have it today. They, For, for whatever reason, somehow they came out here without fire. And if we knew one thing, it's that Coach Prime would never let that happen. But it was so great to see they just went out there. They were they took the fight to TCU from the opening kick uh, and just were relentless. By the way, did you see who was in at tight end on the play that Bishop Thomas blew up that linebacker? I did not. Who was it? He had a nice big block on the play. Shane Cokes. Oh, let's go, man. <laughs> Shane Cokes was in at tight man. end. They're what too was small. That? They're yes. too small. Yes. And I love that they were just like, okay, well, let's just put uh, our big players on the field. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. It was, uh, there was a, a few more plays I want to talk about. Just your hustle plays. Uh, Travis, uh, when he had the interception down by the goal line, two plays earlier, I think it was Trey Sanders, broke a big run right up the middle of the field. Travis comes all the way from the opposite corner, runs across the field, makes the touchdown saving tackle, and then finishes the drive by getting that pick. Rod Ward did the same thing on a kickoff return. They did eventually scoring that drive. But making those plays, I mean, you never know what could happen. We had a Trevor Woods pick in the end zone. We had Travis intercepting the ball at the goal line. That's what happens when you make those hustle plays and you force the offense to stay on the field and actually make or score themselves. You know, you don't give them the freebie on the big play, force them to finish the drive. 100%. It's like, like, uh, you know, to make another basketball analogy here, no easy buckets, right? Um, Mm -hmm. If you never give up on the play, you never know what could happen on the next play. Um, You know, so many times it feels like when a team gets down to the one-yard line, well, it's over. 
but how many times have we seen a goal line stand, a fumbled snap at the goal line, you know? So I remember a clip of practice where coach Kelly was preaching that to the guys, like never give up on the play, never give up because you never know what's going to happen on the next play. And, you know, that play from Rod Ward, by the way, I'm sure you guys can notice my voice is still recovering. Yeah. Um, I'm fighting through it here. So uh, hopefully by tomorrow when we're back in studio, I'll have my voice all the way back. Um, but that play from Rod Ward in a vacuum feels like nothing, right? He chased him down. They scored a few plays later. Where that will play so well is in the film room and with his coaches and with time. Uh, and when they're thinking about who they trust moving forward, that play will stand out to them and they'll say, Hey, let's give Rod a chance because he's, you know, he's a player that I can count on to give his all when he's out there on the field. And Jake, you know, I loved, loved, loved Shador's comments after the game when he said that felt like practice because Mm -hmm. everything that happened in that game, we've seen happen in practice all the way down to Rod Ward giving his all chasing someone down of course when we were at the scrimmage it was dylan edwards who he chased down and i never got a chance to talk about this because i left the very next day um but we had said in the show now it might it kind of looked like a ref called him down and dylan might have slowed down a step or this that or the other thing and when i saw the replay on well off i said nope we were wrong uh dylan never slowed down rod just went and gave his all and chased him down and got a good angle on him and got him um so wanted to give him the credit for that because that like i said i left the next day and we didn't have a show the next day um but those little plays go go a long long way look at terrell davis um he thought he was going to get cut it's in a preseason game with the broncos and he he was like eating a hot dog on the sideline didn't even think he was going to play and they told him they needed him to go in on special teams so he goes down on the kickoff and absolutely lays out a dude and catches a coach's eye coach says you know what maybe we need to have, keep that guy around he might be a dog well now he's a hall of famer so those plays matter absolutely uh one last play that comes to mind i think this is it, it was second and 8 um, just across midfield in the third quarter. Uh, and Shador like faces some pressure. He rolls to his left and Jack Bailey keeps following him, gets the key block on the guy who's right in front of Shador. It gives Shador just enough time to kind of turn his body, set his feet and delivers a dart to Zay for a first down, man. I mean, these guys were just fighting all game. It was effort plays all over the place. And it's what we talked about, just the drive and the uh, unity with this team, man. They're giving it all every single play, and it's just so fun to see. Oh, it's amazing. Um, he also had a big play. I can't remember if it was Wilty or Bailey. It's tough to uh, tough to differentiate. But uh, on the, I think this one might have been Bailey. The block down the sideline uh, on Dylan's long touchdown, where he was just hauling, got way out in front of things, and that brings it up. Um, Zay Weaver also with a huge block on that on that play. And if you look at all of the big plays that Dylan Edwards made, there's always a receiver making a block for him. Um, so hats off to those guys. Hats off to Coach Bartoloni for getting those guys to buy in in all facets of the game, um, because you know they pave the way for each other. It, it, it's what makes football such a beautiful game. You need everyone uh, doing the same, you know, on the same page, doing the same thing uh, on a, on a play for you know magic to happen. So you have Zay pushing someone out of bounds on Dylan's uh, screen. On the other side, you have a couple of blocks that he gets on the, on the touchdown. Like it's just 
Oh, oh how about the pitch play? Uh, the little pitch play out of the shotgun. Yeah. Jimmy Horn gets a pancake block on that. Yes. Like, it's just awesome, man. So shout out to those guys. And speaking of Jimmy Horn, because these both Jimmy and Zay haven't gotten enough love uh, in the mix of like three Heisman caliber performances. Um, yeah. I think Jimmy behind Travis. Gosh, that's too hard to say. I'm not even going to say it. Uh, there's no need uh, to compare and contrast. Jimmy was so fun to watch on tape. I mean, the the way that he plays is so smooth and so clean and so sudden. And even his hands, man, his hands look so effortless. He's just like it. Just the ball just kind of like. Uh, like magnetizes to his hands while he's out there. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, man. Watching the replay, I just kept replaying Jimmy Horn plays because I was like, man, I want to see that route again. He just breaks out of the route so so clean, hands up, makes the easy catch. The one, I guess, criticism you could have of him is he he got his hands out a little late on the deep ball that he missed. But late hands are something that are you know you're taught on deep balls because you don't want the to give the DB an extra um, inkling of when to you know get in there. So uh, you know all all together, just Jimmy Horn was awesome, and Zay can't say enough about Zay either. Fantastic man. Uh, just a few more guys I want to talk about. Miles Slusher, he had some big tackles on big runs that were kind are you of sure it's, in are you danger. Sure it's not Slusher? What was that? It's such an easy one. I know. I was going to say, even Jake could get that one right. Uh, it's very like your brain would immediately tell you slush. If it was actually pronounced sloosh, that would be the thing that you have to learn. But for whatever reason, uh, uh, Gus went with slusher. Yeah. Uh, he had a great game. And then, honestly, I don't think enough people are talking about Jace Feely's field goal at the end of the first half because he had that one blocked. And to be able to come back, I'm pretty sure it was the same distance. They were both from 49. And he gets iced before that, too. And they snapped the ball. He didn't even take the practice kick. He just turned around and walked back to the sideline. And then he just drills that field goal. Buffs go up 17-14 into halftime. And uh, I think that was massive because they should have been winning that game by 10 or 10 or more at the least at halftime, but you go into the lead at halftime and you kind of look at all the plays and all the uh, touchdowns and yards they left on the table at that point. That's really when I felt like, man, they are going to just pour it on in the second half. And that's what they did. Yeah. Great point there. And um, everything that happened in the second half was so situational. Um, and that field goal played such a big role in that situation that every time the Buffs scored, they were up three. Every time they gave up one, they're down four. Uh, and it kept it so it was always like, all you got to do is go down and score here and you're right back in control. Um, and so that, that field goal and then, of course, the ensuing Dylan touchdown kind of set the tone to where the Buffs, it, you know, they lost control of the game at one point in terms of the scoreboard. At one, I, I, in watching the game, I remember the way I felt when they were trailing for the first time all game. And I thought, all right, let's see it. Let's see how they respond. Like, this is a little scary. Of course they went down and responded, you know, um, admirably, but that field goal really kept it so that there was never a feeling of it getting away from them. For sure, man. Um, anything else, any other plays you want to shout out before we move on here? Let me see what I have here in my notes. Um, one thing is just that I, I felt even more um, convicted in rewatching the game that this was closer to a Buffs blowout win 
than it was to a loss. Um, oh, for sure. I for, I had kind of forgot about the blocked field goal in the first half that derailed their momentum. Um, the Travis Hunter, I'm not even calling that a drop, just like a, I'll call it a missed opportunity because it would have been a great catch. Um, but if he makes that catch, who knows, 14-0, what we're talking about right now. Um, uh, and there was one more. Oh, the Dylan Edwards fumble is just a fluke. Um, that's not a normal fumble that I even put on his shoulders. It's just kind of unlucky that he happened to fall right into Javon Antonio's calf. So those three things combined was just like, oh, man, this was teetering on a dominant, dominant win and and gives me a lot of confidence about this week. Me too, man. I cannot wait for Saturday. Shout out to wait, Kind Love. Wait, one more, one more. Travis yeah. Hunter was better on TV than he was in person. Um, and, he was incredible. And the reason why it, it stood out to me even more and why I realized just how everyone is losing their minds over this First of all, you just get to see the little intricacies on the replays that you don't get in the stadium. Um, mm-hmm. The diving pass breakup in the end zone. Um, he got a hand on that ball. Yes, he did. Yes. Like, it it kind of seems like it's a drop. No, he reaches in there and smacks it and gets, and jars it a little bit loose before the dude hits the ground and lets go of it. That was shocking, or uh, I should say um, exciting. What, what, what stands out the most, though, is... If you watch the game on the TV copy, they say Travis Hunter's name <clears throat> 4,000 times during the game. Uh, and that's why if everyone was so mind blown uh, by his performance. is because Travis Hunter is damn near every word in the, in the broadcast. So they're just like, oh, look at that. Travis Hunter. Guess who? Travis Hunter. Uh, and my favorite moment in the entire broadcast is on his dropped pick. When he jumps yes. the slant, he jumps the slant and just barely drops it. And the call is just Joel Clack going, geez. Like he has no he, he has no other reaction than just geez. Because out of nowhere, Travis is in front of the receiver and it looks like he's about to take one to the house. And it's just like, oh my God, this guy's a freak. He is, man. It's it's scary to think just how much he left on the bone. You talk about that touchdown, the fade ball over Josh Newton on the other end zone, and then that interception. I mean, he literally could have had a just all-time stat line uh, in a college football game in what was an absolutely incredible game. Probably the best game I've ever seen. I don't know about you. That was unreal. It was just so good. Like, I don't know about best game I've ever seen because that would just take me like weeks to write down the list of best games I've ever seen. Um, But it was a remarkable football game and just had everything, just had everything. And the best part is just the way it goes blow for blow at the end. There's no big mistake that, you know, you feel bad for a kid because he, you know, he fumbled the ball. It cost his team the game or whatever. It was just one of those ones where it's like, whoever's defense makes a play first is going to win. Otherwise, Whoever has the ball last is going to win. And it came down to it. TCU is going to have the ball last. And the Buffs finally bowed their back and made that stop. And that was my last note was the defense, man, they, they, you know, they're getting a lot of flack, especially the defensive line. But when the game was on the line, they stepped up. Uh, Jordan Dominic in particular makes two big plays on the final drive. Derek McClendon makes a big play on the final drive. And how about DV Harris out of yes. nowhere comes in and gets a tackle for loss. Um, 
when, you know, Joel Klatt's imploring TCU to run the ball. He's saying, like, I don't know why they're doing this. They should run it. They run it. D.V. Harris blows it up second and 11, and the clock's ticking. Uh, and they decided, okay, we can't do that anymore. And then Jordan Dominic was able to tee off. So um, just hats off to those boys because they dug deep in the Texas heat. And let me tell you, it was hot, especially at the yes. end of the game. <laughs> I've, I've never sweat like that in my life. Um, so I know everyone was tired. They dug deep to, you know, to the depths of their soul and found a couple more speed rushes to just empty the tank and get that team a win. And it was awesome. Just on the defensive line, if they played a less athletic quarterback, they would have definitely had some sacks. And Mm -hmm. there were times where they pressured Chandler Morris and he would break the pocket and they'd tackle him just two, three, four yards down the field. Like those are technically like sacks at that point. I know they gained yardage, but they forced Chandler Morris to, to not throw the football and have to take off. And I don't know. I mean, I felt like the defensive line was fine, especially on review. Um, they were making plays in the run game. They were flying to the ball all over the defensive side of the ball. And they're going to have a bit. I mean, they let up. What is this? 262 rushing yards. But it's almost kind of like if you're going to run it on us, fine, because we have Shador and an offense that can go score from anywhere on the field in a moment's notice. Yeah, 100 percent. Let me just see. I feel like there was a comment. Someone said, oh, it was DCB channel who we met out there. It was great to meet you. Um, Said, come on, RK. It wasn't that hot. I don't know, man. I don't know. It, It wasn't the hottest I've ever been. I'll say that. But I think it was the most I've ever sweat. Um. I, I was just like, this is crazy. Like I, I, I ended up getting sunburned, not because I didn't put on sunscreen, because every time I put on sunscreen, it just sweat right off my face and into my mm-hmm. eyeballs. Um, so um, shout out to the uh, couple next to us. They had these like cooling towels and they were sharing them with us because um, they were like, we're coming down from Canada. We're not built for this. Um, and they let <laughs> they let Allie and I get some action with the cooling towels. And that that went a long way. All right, uh, let's move on. First word from our friends at Kind Love, one of the first dispensaries in Colorado, established in 2010. They're known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the state. They are fully integrated seed to sale. They breed their own genetics, control the grow process and packaging. Uh, check out their TurboCore line. You can get TurboCore joints or the insert. Um, you can put that into a joint, blunt, cigarette, whatever. You can use the code DMVR and get the exclusive discount of 25% off. You can visit one of their stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver or go online to kindlove.com and use that code DMVR for online ordering and their full extensive menu. Also, shout out to our friends over at Broken Tea, the coolest golf course with the best vibes. Have you golfed there? Can you give us a firsthand experience of Broken Tea? Yeah, it's great, dude. That's where I got my um, unofficial hole-in-one. Uh, mm, hell the, yeah. We, when we did the hole in one challenge and uh, I finally knocked it in after, I don't know, a couple hundred tries um, that was at broken tea. It's a great, it, it's great vibes there. And like, I would describe it. Hopefully they don't mind me saying this. I would describe it as like a party course. Like you can go there to have a good time. That's awesome, man. Um, they've got 27 total holes. They got an 18 hole championship course and a challenging part three. They've got a great restaurant. Why it's there. Uh, they have a charity tournament on Friday, September 22nd. So you can go to brokenteagolf.com to make tee times and get all their latest updates. Use that code DMVR10 and you'll get 10% off any round on their regulation course. Let's talk about Sean Lewis. That guy was in his bag on Saturday. 
Yes, he was. And before I do that, I have to say, I can't see the likes today. So we have to trust you guys to get our likes up. Um, I do know that we have almost 2,000 people watching us live today. Um, mm -hmm. So we've leveled up. Um, but <laughs> I need your help on the likes. I need your help on the likes. So you guys have to uh, self-police the likes. We got to get them way up there. I think we had 2,000 on the post game before it ended. Oh, yeah incredible man um also subscribe to the podcast guys apple Podcasts or spotify we're right there in your pocket if you're not able to make the live and we'd appreciate your five-star review um one word to describe sean lewis's game what would you use um flawless i was gonna say masterful yeah that's that's better i like that uh it, it was masterful man uh and i love uh in the post game you know bucky was giving him his flowers uh on well off and he just said players make plays players make plays players make plays and he's mm -hmm. right um players do make plays but i i was think if i have time tonight i'm going to make a video about this um i want to talk about have to have it this is something that every offensive coordinator has a list of plays every game that says, okay, when I have to have it, this is the play that I'm going to call. So this is your fourth and one play, your fourth and two play. Uh, maybe it's third and one in the red zone or, you know, on the goal line. And you just know, like, I got to use one here. I got to go into my bag to use one that I'm so confident in. And he was perfect on those today, uh, on Saturday. Perfect. Um, the first one that I'll use, because I think this counts as a have-to-have it, is the first play of the game. Um, it's one of those ones where it's just like, let's set a tone here. This is the beginning of the Coach Prime era. It's not your normal first play of the game. Like, it's a – we got to we gotta get something positive here, get some confidence for my freshman running back, get some confidence for, for my quarterback. It's just easy. Uh, clear it out, throw it out to Dylan, eight yards. Everyone takes a deep breath after that. Um, I don't know, like, you know, if Neely was here, he would say they didn't need the deep breath. Um, you know, they didn't feel any pressure. Everyone was confident. Um, it doesn't matter. It's nice to get a nice positive play to start the game. That's the least important one, I think. Um, the next one is the first fourth down that they go for on the other side of uh, midfield. Mm -hmm. And this is where Coach Prime and his confidence in Sean Lewis is just going to get higher and higher and higher. But I just love, I love the relationship there. Coach Ryan, you know, says, let's go for it. Show me what you got. He, he calls the play that scored two touchdowns uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. Brings Jimmy Horn in motion. Looks like he's going to go across the formation. Stops on a dime. Goes back the other way. There's absolutely no way a corner uh, or safety is going to be able to stay with him in that. Uh, you know, Shador, of course, puts it exactly where he has to. Jimmy goes eight yards. Easy first down. The next one is the next fourth down. The most important play of the game. And what Sean Lewis knows is if we get the look, we're going to get – a linebacker on Dylan in the flat, and there's going to be no one else around. And so all it comes down to is, do we get the look? Well, Shador is going to make sure that you have it. So he gets out there, he gets the look. And then it's just about Dylan booking it to the flat and Shador putting the ball out there. And we talked about this on the post-game show, but it's even more evident when you watch the tape. The throw has to be great. Can't even just be good. If it's, it, 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 you know, it ends up hitting him here. If it hits him here, he might get tripped up. He might get caught, whatever. Um, 
So Shador gets it out into the perfect spot and then Dylan does his thing and, you know, turns what was supposed to just be a first down play into a touchdown play. But those three plays are the ultimate, like, trust in your offensive coordinator moments. And he delivered in the biggest way. Absolutely. I, I go back to when we talked to him a week or two ago and someone asked him, are you kind of a script play caller or are you more based on feel? And he said he was based on feel and you could tell in this game because I feel like there were if many other offensive coordinators would have been more stubborn in this game. They were trying to run the ball early on and it was starting to not really work. And I feel like a lot of offensive coordinators would have kind of stuck with that. And that could have ultimately lost the game because Shador was on fire. He was able to recognize immediately um, really, I guess, towards the end of the second quarter that, okay, Shador's just going to flat out win this game. We don't even really need to run the ball. He didn't even really worry about it. I, I want to go back and look at how many pure rushing attempts they actually had in the second half because he just gave it to Shador, gave him the keys to the car, and he drove them all the way home, man, with a massive dub. Yeah, so true. Um, they didn't really they, – they ran the ball a little bit. Oh, we almost forgot an unsung hero, Savion Wilkerson. Um, ran ran with his hair on fire. I was really, really happy for him. And he ended up being the guy that they trusted at the end of the game. Um, So hats off to him because, you know, I think a lot of people would have had him as maybe the fifth running back in the room. And, and, you know, he gets an opportunity due to Alton being out and obviously just due to his work that he's put in um, during fall camp and he delivered. Um, But have you ever seen the clip of Mike McDaniel and he looks uh, – he's on the headset and he just goes, I think I'm going to call a pass every play on this drive. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. And then he goes and they go and score a touchdown. Like that was Sean Lewis. He was just like – I, you know, I, I used to say this when the Broncos play the Chiefs. Like every time they run the ball, they're just doing you a favor because they're taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. That's like how I felt about Shador on Saturday. It was just like, okay, like obviously you want to run the ball. You want to establish the run, but – you're you're uh, you're bailing them out almost by yes. allowing them to just make a play right in front of them rather than having to deal with Shador dissecting them. Exactly, man. Um, let's talk about this offensive line, though, because they really protected Shador. I know there were some sacks and stuff there. They weren't perfect. I don't think they'd say they were perfect, but they were so much better than almost everyone expected, man. Shador was given time. He was getting the ball out on time, but on plays that he was able to extend, um, guys were running open. You know, it was just the offense was a beautiful harmony, really, last Saturday. And on some of those runs, the goal line run, like there was a great combo block with Jack Wilty and Savion Washington, right, when Bishop Thomas is kind of pulling around to kick out his guy. Like offensive line, I can't – if you're complaining about the offensive line or saying they're too small, whatever, at this point – Go back and watch the game. Totally. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and those guys, that that line faced some adversity um, leading up to that game, you know. Um, obviously, we know about Tyler Brown and the NCAA's decision on him, and we had him penciled in as a starter at least before he got sick. Um, and then additionally, uh, Landon Beebe wasn't able to go. And so, yeah. you know, you face some adversity on one of the most questioned units on the team. and the probably the one that when you look back on it, you needed the most um, because Shador had to do it with his arm in that game. And you obviously can't do that if you're under pressure all day. So just, I mean, they, they all deserve uh, like a game ball uh, for what they did, especially in the past game. 
And then just the touchdown for Dylan, the long one coming out for the second half. The blocking, the block that Jack Bailey made down the field, the other guys who were out in front of that, it was a perfectly executed screenplay. And those blocks were the reason why Dylan was able to kind of, you know, wiggle his way through the sideline and eventually break through to daylight. I mean, it was a great line, uh, great play overall by this offensive line. Couldn't be more impressed on this one. Yeah, and Dylan actually kind of overran the line at first. You know, he mm-hmm. has to gear, he has to gear it down a little bit, and so he realized that he hits the brakes and lets them catch up. But uh, just awesome, man. So I was so happy for those guys. Same thing with the defensive line is like, okay, they had a tough game and in some facets, then just to go out there and make the winning plays is just is just awesome. Yeah, uh, people are asking in the chat. Landon Beebe, of course, you saw him wasn't really dressed for the game. He had a brace on his knee. Um, I can tell you probably going to be a few more weeks until we see him, but he should be okay and should be able to return for this team. Yep, for sure. And I think sooner than later, I think. I think so too. Um, Anything else on Sean Lewis or the offensive line before we move on? Um, Just one thing about Shador uh, that we haven't talked about. I cannot believe how easy he made that look. Um, It's really remarkable it stands out when you watch the tv copy uh and the play that it stands out to me the most on is the throw on third and 16 to travis hunter yep he he looks like he's just throwing the ball around in the backyard like no pressure he just drops back kind of sits there and he's like okay all right now and throws it and it's Mm -hmm. just like oh my god he he you know again he said after the after the game i don't know it's just like a practice and like if you watch, it's really like he's just playing catch. There's a couple plays where he had to go into his bag and really make something happen. And the rest of the game is just him being like, okay, I know the look, I know where to go with the ball. Snap, drop, deliver, easy. Um, this team returned four or five starters in the secondary. TCU did. Last year, they led the nation in PBUs. So combined passes defensed and interceptions with 81. Shador did that to that defense, the one who led the nation in most disruptive plays in the secondary last year. He was, I mean, that's the best quarterback performance of the season so far, of the entire college football season. He should be number one in the Heisman standings at this point. He should. Um, and honestly, it's it's Shador one and Travis two or vice versa. Um, you know, pick your poison. And I know that sounds crazy. Like, it, it feels like a fever dream. Um, especially to longtime Buffs fans, but like that's where we're at. It was a, it, you know, one of the things that we haven't talked about is the fact that the Buffs obviously dominated the headlines because of Coach Prime and just what he, you know, commands. Um, but they also dominated the headlines because they're the only team that had an impressive win, um, other than last night, Florida State beating the brakes off of LSU. Um, it, those are the only two and credit to Brian Howell for tweeting this out. Uh, Those are the only two teams in the top 25 that lost TCU and LSU. Uh, And obviously LSU was a ranked on ranked matchup. So the buffs were the only team in the country to get an upset over a ranked team An upset. I put that in air quotes because that game had zero upset energy. None, nothing about it felt like it was an upset. That just felt like the better team winning a football game. When I think of an upset, I think of a fluky thing happens here, a pick six, a blocked punt, right, something right. you know that, that uh, sparks the team's momentum and the other team can't recover and they make another mistake. No, no, no. This was no upset. This was just Colorado being better than TCU at football. 
flat out, man. And they're going to be better than most teams that they play this year. Uh, I can't wait to see it all unfolds. Shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Um, Beer of the month, I believe, is the Broncos Country Pale Ale right now. We got the Broncos season starting on Sunday. I know the DMVR bar is going to be popping for that. Uh, But Breckenridge Brewery has a beer for every occasion. You can check out their beer locator at www.breckbrew.com and find a Breck Brew near you or just stop by a DMVR bar. Um, We got you covered there. Also, shout out to our friends at Bacchus and Shanker. They've been helping Colorado families win for more than 25 years. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients. Best part about them, though, no fees until they win your case and win money for you. No fees to consult with them. No fees while they work on your case. and No fees unless they win. They help with all kinds of injury cases if you weren't at fault. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, and trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Smash that Shador line, 222-2222, to find out if you have a case for free. Bacchus and Shanker wins. We pulled out some receipts. And uh, now the nation is talking about Colorado, what Coach Prime and the Buffs did on Saturday. Um, We're here, man. We're here. Yeah. Yes. And I just love the energy around this team. Um, I love what Coach Prime has instilled in them, which is just like, hey, if you want to talk shit about us, we're going to remember it and we're going to throw it back in your face later. Um, And, um, you know, I think just by proxy, we um, have absorbed that uh, energy from Coach Prime. Uh, So we've been keeping their seats, too. And um i dropped the one today of the utah fans uh from back in june i believe uh saying shador uh what has shador ever done why is he ranked three third in pac-12 quarterback power rankings and the guy says well he played at a juco with his daddy and um they're getting properly dragged for that and i was just i was i was waiting for that because they they deserve what's coming to them for that one how about the uh, the loser? I can't even remember what account it was. One of those just like college football NFL draft accounts that said they didn't understand the hype about Shador. Tried to pull out the stats. Tried to discredit him at every turn. That guy also said Travis was too small. Man, yep. it took probably eight minutes of game time before that was just completely disproven in all of its entirety. Yeah, and then he tried to come back, and he said something along the lines of, like, I don't know why CU fans are acting like this is a cold take. Um, Like, all Shador did was put up numbers against a terrible defense. And it's like, bro, you literally just said you don't understand the hype. And then he went out and had the best performance by any uh, quarterback in the entire country in week one. You don't get to act like, oh, this – this." I wasn't saying that he wasn't going to tear up TCU. Get the hell out of here. Um, of course, the most famous one is um, Tom Luganbill or whatever. Luganbill, of course. <laughs> and and I got to talk about this one um, because he, of course, went out there and said that he thinks that CU might have the worst roster in college football. The worst roster in college football. He was comparing them to UMass and said, you think UMass has the worst? It might be Colorado. Okay, so forget the result of the game because obviously the Buffs go out there and win, and that and that's what gives everyone the um, the fuel to go out and, and dig up the receipts. But forget the win. He then goes out and tweets like, "LOL, Colorado fans, you got me. 
come, you know, say whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what just happened here. This wasn't like some crazy upset where, oh, you're going to get dunked on. Like, you need to explain yourself. You need to explain yourself because what you said is so absolutely incorrect and off base that you don't just get to do the like, ha ha ha, look at me, I was wrong, sorry. Like you have to put, you have to come out here and tell me why you thought a team that has two five-star players, a quarterback who threw 70 touchdowns over the last two years, uh, went out and got transfers from the SEC that actually played well in the SEC. I mean, go on down the line. You have to come out here and tell me how you thought that was the worst roster in the country. The worst roster in the country has Travis Hunter, who today everyone is saying is the best player in the country. If it was just Travis Hunter and, and last year's team, they're automatically not the worst roster in the country. Uh, yes. That one that one just does not sit right with me. You don't just get to laugh that one off. You have to come explain yourself. No, man. He works for ESPN. He's an analyst for ESPN. He covers recruiting for them. He should be held accountable for that. Your job is to learn about the rosters. And it's what we said all offseason. They weren't paying attention. It doesn't take much time to go look at who is being brought in, where they came from, their stats, what they've done. Watch a little bit of film, look, like familiarize yourself with these players. No one did that. It was easy work to do. We did it. But these people, the national people who talk shit all offseason did not. And now it's time for them to eat that crow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like you have to explain how you were that wrong. You don't just get to be that wrong and just walk away scot-free. Um, the next one. Oh, I have to just say this. This isn't necessarily a receipt, although we could pull one if we want it. Um, we predicted so perfectly that if Colorado wins, it's not going to be about Colorado to the haters. It's going to be all about yep. TCU. And my mm -hmm. God, is that running rampant. And the biggest one I saw, I'll call him out by name, Paul Feinbaum. Um, he said, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know how much that was about Dion and the buffs as much as it was about TCU just not being good. And it's just like, come on, man. Did you watch the game? Did you see Shador Sanders throw for 500 yards and damn near put the ball in the perfect place on 45 straight throws? Um, like, did you see Travis Hunter? Like, he kept saying, I'm not trying to take credit away from them, but TCU, blah, blah. And it's like, it, even if TCU is overrated, it doesn't matter with the performance that the Buffs just put out there. And then just the goalpost moving. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. We knew it was coming. Um, now people are saying, oh, you know, all this talk just to go six and six. When people were saying exactly what Luganville said, worst roster in the country, two wins max. Um, that three and a half over total from Vegas, completely disrespectful. And even after the game, they only updated it to four and a half. They just took yeah. that one win and added it on to all the, I guess, false expectations they had about this team during the summer. It's hilarious, man. Yeah, and, and I think it is now up to five and a half. Um, but even then, it's just funny. Um, and you're right about the goalpost moving. The thing that I'm seeing so, – so what we were seeing before was 1-11 and 11 again, 2-10, and 10, all this hype to win three games, blah, 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 blah. Now it's – they're not going to win the conference. They're not going to win the national championship. <laughs> CU fans need to calm down. It's like <laughs> – 
what, what, like, you're just gonna if they if they make it to, if they made it to the college football playoff and won the first one, it'd be like, well, they're not gonna win the national title. It's like, I know. It's like, and the funny thing is, like, this idea that that's what CU fans are expecting. Like, CU fans are already having the time of their lives. Uh, soaking this all in and enjoying it. And, you know, you get to go play Nebraska this week, which will obviously shift our entire focus and put them in the crosshairs uh, fully tomorrow. But it's just so funny to see, like, people be like, oh, yeah, these CU fans think they're going to win the national championship now. It's like, no, dude, we're just really happy enjoying whatever's happening right in front of us, and we're we're along for the ride. How many schools in the country um, are out there? Do you think that w- wish their quarterback could do a Shador impression? Oh, uh, see, why do you want to do that? Why are you trying to make? Uh, I'm enemies? just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just saying. I think every school in the country probably wishes that their quarterback is exactly doing a good Shador exactly. impression. Uh, like, like I've said for a long time, I, I don't think I've seen a college quarterback that accurate, and it's such a weapon. It is such a weapon to be that accurate, especially in college football, but it's going to take him uh, a long way in his football career um, to be that good with where he places the football. (laughs) You got the comments all riled up now. (laughs) Anything else on the receipts? Um, Oh, I really didn't like the way that when Pat McAfee picked the buffs, everyone on college game day laughed, Mm -hmm. um, filed that one away. Um, there's it's it's endless and i totally forgot about one that i'm going to tweet out after this show um look coach prime says i got time today i haven't had the time uh last couple days today i'm just like <laughs> like this morning i was like oh i gotta go dig up that utah thing and then i was like driving uh to go get lunch before the show and i was like oh i can't believe i forgot about that one so the receipts will continue to roll out oh classic man Shout out to our friends at Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. They've got you covered for the warm weather ahead with their premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Durable frames and extremely clear polarized optics. The Shady Rays were life-saving for that Texas sun uh, last weekend. I'm sure it's going to be bright. What's up? Get your questions in now. I already have a few starred, um, but while Jake is doing ad reads, I'll star all the good ones, and and we'll we'll get to those on the other side. Um, Shady Rays has you covered with their broken and lost protection program. You can shop their entire collection at the Park Meadows Mall or go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DMVR. You'll get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And you can try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Finally, shout out to our friends over at Game Time. They take out all the stress of buying tickets for all your favorite events. Uh, I haven't checked the ticket prices yet for the Nebraska game at this point, but uh, man, you got to get on it if you haven't already. Make sure you use Game Time. You can sign up now with the code DMVR. That'll give you twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code DMVR for twenty dollars off. The best place to get Buffs tickets, Broncos tickets, all your tickets this football season. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Is that all you got? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. I've got some comments saved here, so uh, I'll <laughs> okay. go through the ones that I have. Um, I'll try and circle back later and see if anything else popped up. But this is this is the hard part. I'm I'm digging deep here. Fourth quarter, uh, Texas Heat. I got to be on my game. Um, first one <clears throat> from uh, Komet, who says uh, Savion Wilkerson, Savion Wilkerson played well. Also, we talked a little bit about that. 
he just he ran so determined i loved it yeah he was awesome uh ended up being their leading rusher in the game 13 attempts for 45 yards one touchdown and he's just a bowling ball man and you talked about it a lot it's that type of running back is what sean lewis loves in this offense i know the running game didn't really get going but having Hank, having a big back like uh, him, Sivion, uh, Alton, that's going to be punishing for defenses throughout this season. This running game is going to get going at some point for sure. Next one's from Tom who says, did you hear Prime's comments about TCU offensive coordinator shunning QB uh, Shador? And that was mm. his motivation on Saturday. Yes, Jake and I had actually heard this story um, uh, previous to the game. And uh, I love that Coach Prime rolled it out today. Um, but apparently, uh, Shador went to a camp where Kendall Bryles was when he was in high school. Uh, and Kendall Bryles paid him no mind and kind of set him aside and didn't, didn't give him any attention. And so Shador turned to uh, Coach Prime after, or after the camp and said, we're never coming back here. And like all things uh, with this team and this family, he didn't forget. He did not forget. And so he had that little extra piece of motivation uh, going into that game, a little extra time for preparation, which he said was impossible. You know, he said, go look at my stats from last year in, in week one. Like you should have known week one was a lock. Um, so he was extra ready. And I think he's embracing uh, the rivalry with Nebraska as a reason to be extra ready this week. I loved that he called it. He just nonchalantly said, um, yeah, we got to go play the corn next week. I was just like, oh, my yep. God, this is fantastic. Man, there's something about when you doubt a talented player or person in any field and you keep throwing that doubt on them, you're only feeling a fire, man. And I think what we just saw from Shador on Saturday is just the beginning of him taking out all his frustrations on what everyone has been saying negative about him over the last three, four years, even as he was a prospect coming out as a recruit, you know, the daddy ball stuff, it's time to put all that rest and Shador's going to put everyone on notice for it. Absolutely. As he should, uh, from Callup, RK, you're spot on. There's three TDs left on the table in the first half question. Do you think Nebraska can even prepare for ultra tempo in that air? Uh, no, no, they can't. Um, there's not really any way to unless they were to come practice here all week. Like, you know, they could hit up uh, Boulder High School or something and say, hey, can we come practice at your facilities? But that would have had to be planned and budgeted for a long time ago. So I don't think they can necessarily prepare for it. Um, but, you know, Nebraska, they're not the brightest uh, uh, people out there in Nebraska. And actually, at one point, um, their co their basketball coach was asked about the altitude. And he said, why are you asking me about altitude? We're playing an indoor sport. Um, so wow. I, they do know this one's going to be outdoors, but they might not be bright enough to understand the effects of altitude. Um, yeah, go uh, learn about some uh, geography, I guess, and figure that one out for yourself. I can't <laughs> wait for this game Saturday. I can't either. Sloan says, RK is an emotional guy. What did you think about Rick after the game? He looked like a weight was lifted off his shoulders. Yeah. That uh, was so cool. It was great, man. Um, and I think you just got to understand the position that Rick George was in. Um, for those of you who are newer Buffs fans, like Rick George took a lot of heat for the Carl Durrell hire. Um, and, and I 
it was critical, obviously, of the hire, but I did always try to give him a break of it. It was in such a bad time. It was like COVID was still going on. Um, Mel Tucker left them late in the cycle. It's not like he just got hired right away. He told him he was staying. Then he leaves last minute, you know, at midnight. Uh, and so Rick George's hands were tied. Um, the program wasn't in a great place. He, you know, he tried to go after Steve Sarkeesian, who kind of strung him along to get a raise. Um, and so he, he was just put in a bad position. Uh, and obviously they, they failed on the hire. But people were ready to run Rick George out of town and legitimately trying to do that. Um, and he, of course, holds on to his job. So credit to the administration for, for believing in Rick George. And for lack of a better term, put his balls on the table and said, I'm going to go do something unprecedented and I'm going to turn this school around uh, and I'm going to leave this place that I love better off than when I got here. Uh, and so you, I think you saw a culmination of all those feelings on Saturday. Absolutely, man. Just super cool to see. And then with that moment with him and coach prime after the game where they're like embracing each other, man, I mean, the love that these two guys have for each other is immense. And I think it's something that's going to drive CU football and CU athletics for a long time. I, I agree. I completely agree. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and I can relate to the emotion. I know a lot of CU fans can, there's tears being shed up there in our section. Um, and you know, the Mike, the Michael Harrison clip really resonated with CU fans. Uh, it was, um, it's an emotional thing. And I love when, uh, when emotion intersects with sports, I think it's cool. That's why we do this, man. Yep. Greg says, one thing to know, RK and Jake, once the defense started knocking down Morris and getting in his face, the throws grew erratic. Great point. Yeah, he was getting uh, rattled for sure that game. And you could tell that, um, you know, this is a player who hasn't played a lot of football. And that was apparent uh, or in leasing game situations. That was pretty apparent on Saturday. Yep. I thought I thought that's really true. Late in the game, when they started getting pressure, he started like just kind of slinging it and got far more uh, inaccurate. Jay says, RK and Jake, my man. That's your new uh, Coach Prime nickname. Let's go. Uh, did you see QB school's analysis of Shador's performance? He said it was a near-perfect day. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet, but I can tell you uh, from my own eyes, it was a near-perfect day. Yes, yes. I agree. I haven't watched it yet, but um, I it was – one of the best quarterback performances I've ever seen live, probably the best quarterback performance I've ever seen live. Um, and there's something to that, man. When you watch quarterbacks live, you do kind of get a better sense of them. And those layered balls, they just stand out more. And I don't know if it was just my angle from the press box, but I was in the corner of, uh, you know, the TV broadcast, the left end zone, bottom corner there. And just to see how he was able to effortlessly get these balls over second level defenders and find Zay and Jimmy crossing him across the middle field. Super impressive, man. He's just a flamethrower at quarterback. He really is. Um, and, and I think I'm not sure if QB Gould points this out, but I think the number one thing that highlights just how perfect he was is there was only one ball thrown from Shador Sanders that almost got intercepted. And it was the play that they called pass interference on Travis Hunter. That's the only time the ball left his hands that it almost ended up in TCU's hands and they had to cheat to get in that position. Um, I mean, it's remarkable. There was never a second where you thought, oh, 
there's one throw early in the game to Jimmy Horn on like a little speed out, which is like, I guess like a TCU guy is like two or three feet away from it. Um, and it kind of looks close for half a second, but at no point was the ball in the air where you were like, uh Oh, they might get this one. For sure. Uh, can I answer a question in the chat real quick? Yeah, I can't see it. Where is it? Um, from Boong. He's asking me, do I think CU will still finish eighth in the pack? <laughs> I just want to say, I just wanted to see this team. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to see them one time not going against each other, against another team to see how they truly matched up. I am not ever going to put limits anymore on what Deion Sanders and this team is capable of. They are going to finish in the top half of the, half of the pack. They could absolutely win this conference. This game against USC, you go there and you win that game, everything is on the table. Everything, not just the Pac-12, everything in college football is on the table. I love it. I love it. Uh, And, you know, I think you uh, deserve a little bit of leash there because I don't think at any point did you ever uh, think this team wouldn't be good. Um, Yes. So, uh, and also you kind of misunderstood the the prompt. (laughs) First time, sorry. It's okay. Um, I, I was thinking about that though, and and I, I was gonna wait, you know, to fully dive into the big picture because I I, I think we're you know focused on TCU and we're focused on Nebraska, um, but eventually we'll have an opportunity to to open up a little bit, and it's just like, why not? Why not them? Yep. I, I truly don't see uh, any reason why not. Obviously, Utah is going to present a huge challenge. Um, they looked really legit. I guess that's another team that had kind of a, a statement win this week, but people kind of forgot about it fast because it wasn't a very good football game. Uh, and Florida looked pretty bad. <clears throat> but they're going to present a big challenge, and as will USC for sure, and, and, and Washington. And there's good teams in this conference. Um, but you saw from that offense that they're going to be able to stick with people. What's what's USC's issue? Defense. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, it's going to come down to like, okay, who gets more stops, who can coach up their guys, who can make adjustments based on their talent. Um, but I I think we are to a point where it's like, why not them? They have the top end talent players as good as anyone in the country. Exactly. They legitimately have one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the country, and they have the best all around player players, man. That's what it's all about. We can talk about coach prime. We can talk about this coaching staff. You know, we talk X's and O's. They have better players than almost everyone on their schedule. Yep. All right, let's keep it moving here. Next one's from True Gamer, who says, Nebraska is going to run a lot. D-line has to be ready, because if not, uh, NU will control time of possession and possibly win. Going to be very key. I I mean, I do think that is the one question that Colorado has to answer. If you can stop the run, you're going to win the game. And not you're going to win the game by a lot if you can stop the run. I mean, it's kind of like run it if you dare because they can score so fast. Um, Shador's not going to put the ball in harm's way. You know Jeff Sims is going to have to throw at some point. He's going to have to throw, throw on Travis Hunter, Omari and Cooper, Trevor Woods. Are you kidding me? There's going to be so many opportunities you know, for CU to get turnovers and flip the field that it's almost like a death sentence, Nebraska, if they want to run. I mean, you're shortening yeah. your own time. They have no choice, though. They have to run. That's true. That is true. Um, by the way, speaking of Omari and Cooper, my God, what a game. Um, that was another nine PBU was unbelievable. Yes. And he was just a dog the whole game. He missed one tackle that kind of cost them. But other than that, uh, he was fantastic. And, and 
looks like a legitimate answer at that CB2 for all season. But here's the thing about Nebraska. Actually, I'm gonna we're gonna save Nebraska. We'll get we'll get to okay. that. But they do have to run the ball. Uh, and if Colorado can stop the run, in my opinion, that's it. That's game over. For sure. Any concerns that wide other wide receivers didn't play? So who didn't play in the wide receiver group? Uh, the young guys I think didn't you play. Saw the freshmen. Yep. Yep. Um, is that it in terms of notable wide receivers that didn't play? Um, I think so. I mean, we only saw a little bit of Tarvarish Dawson. It seems like he kind of turned his ankle or something a bit too and limped off the field. We didn't really see him much after that. We didn't see Willie Gaines. Um, we didn't see Jalen Ellis. Oh yeah. Uh, Colboskio was on the depth chart. I don't think we saw him. Yep. He did travel. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Willie Gaines is one that, you, you know, uh, you'd like to seek it out there, but I think the wide receivers is just a reflection of what I was saying earlier. You kind of got the playoff rotation in that game. It was tight. It was tight. They kept, they rolled the same guys out there most plays. Sure. Uh, Dead to Kid says, what's going to happen to McLean? He's good. He'll be all right. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. He's going to be fine. He's going to play eventually. Um, Coach Prime is going to do what's best for him. And I think, honestly, yes. you know, like obviously his family played a big role in his recruitment process and, and this, that, and the other thing. And I think one of the reasons why they came to Colorado in the end is because they trust Coach Prime to do what's best for Cormani. So I don't think they're sitting there saying, what is going on? What is wrong? Why isn't he playing? I think they're saying, okay, like stay the course, trust Coach Prime. What he, you know, what, it, what he's going to do what's best for you. Um, Coach Prime was on fire on Twitter. Oh, sorry, I, I want to just bring this up real quick. He put out a tweet today, I think, though, talking about. Here's what he said: How can a coach advise you truly regarding what he's never done? If you're a two-way player, I ain't hard to find. Ormani is going to get these opportunities that Travis is getting. It's only a matter of time. It's okay. Totally. Um, Callup says, did you notice Cooper took TCU wide receiver one out the game? We talked about that a little bit. He was awesome. Uh, physical, mm-hmm. made plays, fantastic. A coach yep. says, do you think Sean Lewis is one and done at CU? I'll oh, answer, man. yes. Yes, yes, I yeah. do. Um, it, it, I mean, if they keep doing this, Every opening in the country should be looking at Sean Lewis. Um, he's he's right. got it all. He's got it all. And he's done it before as a head coach. Remember, he wasn't fired. Uh, he was an active head coach when he was hired mm-hmm. by Colorado. He made Kent State one of the best offenses in the country when he had a quarterback. He's going to a big Power 5 school after this year. I can't remember if we talked about this on the show. I can't remember if it was talking to you or Neely about this, and it was just a conversation that we were having. But – if Sean Lewis takes another job, Coach Prime's just going to take the best G5 yeah, offensive was, coach out there and turn and him into the next. Yeah. Yeah, you can finish. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, that, that's all I really got on that. But I mean, it's it's fine, I think. Yeah, you'll just go look through G5, say, okay, uh, which one of these guys did the best? Uh, okay, this team put up 45 points a game. Um, and we're going to tell this guy, hey, look, come work for us for one year. You're going to get. Uh, Travis and Shador in their last year in college, and you're going to be a Power Five head coach next year. Let's go. Yep. Yep. Aloha says NU is a game 
planning for the team they saw on Saturday. They will not be ready for a much improved de- defense and running game. Sco buffs. I agree. Um, minus three is not enough. It should be minus 14 at the least. See you. Mm, wow. We'll talk more about that later this week. Um, I think, did we get this one? Should have attended a FSU 2019. Kendall Piles was the uh, OC QB coach at that time. So that would be crazy if FSU coach was the one um, ignoring Deion Sanders' son. And gives even more context to the whole FSU kind of rivalry we have brewing right now. Yep. <clears throat> DNVR, I love what you guys are doing. Appreciate you, Rich Rich. Thank you, man. Trying to trying to move on fast here. I see you being disrespected with that minus three line from MC. Um, yes. Man. I don't know if disrespect is the right word, um, but I think that Honestly, Coach Prime is so polarizing that the book is trying to minimize their exposure. Um, They were so exposed in that first game. uh, And Colorado fans made money hand and fist uh, on the sports books because they made that spread so big. So now Vegas is going to try and get equal money on this game. And and so that's one thing that we don't, you know, necessarily always consider with spreads is they're trying to minimize risk. No matter what, if they got half the bets on one side and half the bets on the other side, they win because it's not one-for-one money. Um, So they're trying to even it out. So people are going to – there's going to be a ton of people in Utah and Nebraska and other shitty-ass states that are saying – the Coach Prime hype is out of control. I can't wait to bet on Nebraska. Um, And – what what's going to happen is then the CU fans are going to say, Oh my God, we're being disrespected. We got to throw money on CU. So the book is just going to move the line. However they have to do to keep getting action on both sides and, and not continue to lose money on coach prime. Not enough. Minus three is not enough. I, I agree with you. Kevin Trujillo says this ain't intramural brother, <laughs> Dan Hawkins, <laughs> $5. Thanks for the super check, Kevin. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Treology says it was actually at Florida State that it happened, which is just mind-boggling to me. When Deion Sanders' son comes on campus, he should be treated like royalty, as should Coach Prime himself. Um, what a massive bag fumbling. Their loss. They could have Coach Prime, Shador, and Travis Hunter right now if they really wanted, but they don't. Yep. And to be fair, uh, Jordan Travis was sick last night, and and they're going to be good. But Coach Prime, Travis, and Shador there would be – they would be national title, like, yeah. favorites. Although they might actually be right now. Either way, yeah. I'm glad it worked out the way it did for us. Uh, Nicole says, are we going to get a merch and T-shirt with the DNVR, the pregame mm. logo? Stay tuned. Thanks for the super chat, Nicole. You want to add anything? Just can't wait, man. I mean, it's a bomb logo. Saturday was only the start. We're going to be through the roof here with some of these pre and post game shows coming up. Only the start. I appreciate the software that we're using because it automatically stars the super chats for me. So I don't have to go find them, but they just keep rolling in. It's like a post game show, Jake. So oh, yeah. we're it's still cool. rolling. Uh, Lamar says, go buffs. Let's give it to the corn. I love it. I'm calling them exclusively the corn this week as much as I can. I'm yep, sure Yep. <laughs> it's so subtle. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> Lamar, do you believe number two takes down all the single season passing records and how many wideouts catch for 500 yards? The single season passing records are They're already in, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. they're already in so much trouble. Um, <laughs> like, obviously, you're not going to say he's going to stay on this pace. Um, I'm not also not going to say he can't stay on this pace, but on the current pace, he would set the record in about half the season. Um, so he doesn't need to throw for 500 yards every game, but if he just continues putting up good performances and man, I just don't see how he doesn't. Uh, it's the same thing as like when people were saying, well, he was doing that to fam you and others you know, and teams in the swack. Um, and it's just like, yeah, but the ball goes exactly where he wants it to. So it doesn't matter who's defending them. That's how I feel about TCU. People are like, well, TCU's defense looks like ass. And I'm just like, yeah, but Colorado's receivers are really fast. And Shador Sanders puts the ball exactly where he wants it to every time. So mm-hmm. it doesn't – like it's not going to matter who's covering them. So he is going to keep having big performances. Uh, and, yes, I believe all the records are going down. Um, how many wideouts catch for 500 yards? Well – it's all but guaranteed that four. We're already to four. Adding Dylan. That's what I mean. I, I guess I, I was oh, okay. counting Dylan. Um, so you have the four guys who got a hundred in game one. Like they're all going over. Uh, God willing that they stay healthy. I'll I'll knock on wood here. Um, then you know, add in Javon Antonio. I I don't think he is going to be as absent from the game plan as he was. Um, it's yeah. clear that they want to involve Tarverish Dawson. Um, you know, he could get he could get some really big plays that help him creep towards it. But I'm gonna say right now, uh five for sure. I'm gonna go even more than that. I think it'd be like eight or nine. Add in Michael Harrison, bro. I mean, I know yeah. there's only two catches for twelve thinking, yards. I was thinking wide, wide outs, yeah. Yeah. I mean just then, I guess, all wide receivers. Yeah. You what 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 other wide receivers other than the big ones and Javon Antonio, do you think could get there? Um, one of the true freshmen. Oh, I think they'll get there for sure. Um, I mean, Tarvarish Dawson and Willie Gaines need, I don't know, 15, 18 receptions to get over 500 yards if they're, you know, ripping off big plays and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, next one's from Ray, just a $2 super chat. Thank you so much, Ray. Next one again from Rich Rich, 10 bucks, just because I respect this channel. That's Thank it. you, man. Yeah, we we really, really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate all of your guys' support. And for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time today, um, this is not mm-hmm. our normal setup. Uh, we are usually in studio, but like I said off the top of the show, uh, everyone else is off today. So we didn't have producers. We didn't have camera people. We didn't have uh, any other help. Um, so we decided to, uh, to do it this way, but, uh, I'm glad we did because it, a lot of people tuned in, but I don't want you guys to think that this is, uh, our normal quality. We had to take it down a notch today. Yep. We'll see you guys tomorrow with the full setup. Yes, sir. And maybe a big time guest. Um, oh, yeah. uh, a paint says it's crazy how good the buffs were. And we aren't even at full strength on either side of the ball with a lot of players. that haven't even gotten on the field yet. Great point. Fantastic point. It's only this team's only going to get better. Step one. PPMG TV says boosters and NIL collectives get your bag ready to keep Shador one more year at CU. I think he stays. I think he wants to play with Travis again. I mean, he wants to play with Travis again. And the big one for me is 
I can't be sure of this, but it is probably the last chance he'll have to have his dad as his coach. And his dad mm-hmm. has been his coach his whole life. And the, and the relationship that they have is so special and so deep that I just have a hard time envisioning him for going that. That being said, you know, if they, if, if he wins the Heisman and they go to a new Year's six bowl, it might be a way of just saying like, yeah, we've accomplished, we've accomplished it all together. But then there's another part of me that thinks like, well, he'll just be like, I got to come back one more year and try to win the national championship. You know what I mean? Like, right. The, I think they'll always want to set the bar higher for themselves. I do. I, I'm not going to say it's a hundred percent that he's, he comes back, but I do think there's a, there's a big part of him that will say, well, this is likely the last time my dad will be my head coach. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much the way it's been forever. I want to to take this in one last time. He's last- only 21. Oh, yep. can I, real, real quick. He's only 21. He's going to be 22 this next season. He's already one of the top five players in NIL. He's going to get a bag if he comes back again. He probably could get paid more than what a rookie – uh, starting wages in the NFL. And if he's going to be the first, you know, if he works himself into first, second overall pick territory and the Arizona Cardinals are sitting there, would you rather play for Coach Prime in the Buffs or the Arizona Cardinals right now? Answer that I question. Mean, yeah, that's the easiest answer ever. Sorry, Caleb. <laughs> um, Anything else? Carl says 199 super sticker. We had Normally, it describes what the super sticker is to us, but for some reason on this software, it doesn't. So sadly, we don't get to see the super sticker. But thank you, Carl. Um, and then finally here from Lamar, I think Coach Lewis stays until we get the natty. Uh, that's that's a hard one because like you were just saying with Shador, um, he's going to be able to secure the bag uh, regardless of where he is. And because of that, um, I think it makes it easier for him to stay as much uh, revenue as CU brings in. I, they're not going to be able to match what who's, who's going to fire their coach this year. I don't know. Like whoever um, they're not gonna be able to match whatever school, Florida. you know? Yeah. Let's just say Florida for, for example, they won't be able to match what they could offer their head coach. Um, so I think it's going to be hard to hold on to him if he continues on this pace. I agree. Oh, We've still got more super chats rolling in. <laughs> Ten dollars yeah. from the from the boy's dad. Who does the Irvin Joe style on Friday before the corn show on Friday? My money is on uh Columbus Hastings in Dover. Um I don't understand that reference, I'm sorry. Um Yeah, me either. <laughs> uh I obviously know Irvin Joe, legendary Colorado radio duo, but I don't know what they did as like a Friday before the Nebraska game uh show. So please enlighten me. And then last one here for now from AD says, does Colorado defense have holes that need fixing? Um, I think they just need to tighten up the run game. It is going to be tough uh, against Nebraska uh, uh, to stop the run just because they have some some beef uh, on both sides of the line. But I, that's that's going to be the, the question for this defense is, can they find a solution to stopping the run that doesn't involve 350 pound, you know, uh, nose tackle that can eat up blocks. Like they just don't have that. They're not going to. Um, so can they, you know, can they find a solution and can, can coach Kelly find that solution? I think he can. Um, but 
it's going to be a tough thing for them throughout the season. And that's why Coach Prime on Pat McAfee today was saying, like, like watch what happens when you give me the four- and five-star dogs on the on the lines. Like, he's like, then I'm going to really start uh, laying back and kicking my feet up. Um, so, you know, he kind of admitted in that moment, like, it's the one place where they're lacking um, elite talent. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a constant – Mm, challenge for Coach Kelly, I think. I mean, Jordan Dominic was battling an injury. He just returned to practice either last week or right before the end of two weeks ago. He still had a great game. I think that he's going to play better. Uh, he was a factor in the run game for sure on Saturday as well. Juju Mitchell is going to be a guy that we see. I thought Marvin Ham had a pretty good game as well. Um, we didn't see Demoy Kennedy. So reinforcements are coming on that side, man. And I think that they're going to pressure uh, Jeff Sims in Nebraska a lot more. They're going to try and run blitz, I think, too, to really put a statement and kind of handle that run game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the people never want us to end, Jake. <laughs> Rich Rich oh. says, do Juju, Cormani, Mathis, Gaines, and the rest of the dogs get a shot week three if we're blowing out Colorado State? Ooh, I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, everyone's going to get a shot. We're going to see Ryan Staub. I was going to say Gavin Cold might be in there. Yep. Yep. Um so yeah, that's that's uh, on the menu hopefully and um one of the kind of I guess bummers of just Colorado having this uh, a one of the best schedules in the country um is there's not, you know, the the feel good let let everyone come in and play game. Um hopefully mm-hmm. that game is Colorado State who obviously got smacked around by uh, Shador's good friend Cam Ward this weekend, and our good friend. We liked Cam Ward at uh, Pac-12 Media yep. Day, for sure. I don't know if uh, we call him our good friend, but it was fun. Pac-12 buddy. There we go. One of the people that we liked while we were there. Yes, they're still coming. Uh, yeah. Ad, do you see Colorado being a mini USC-like team? I don't know exactly what that means. Um, I think they have their own style, their own flavor. And uh, they're going to do it their their way. Um, but I do agree with like the combination of a elite quarterback with some scary skill position players. Yeah, I mean, I guess that uh, that's the if you want to put an archetype on them, I mean, they're not going to at this point, they're not Georgia or Alabama where they just have the hogs in the offensive line. They can just run that ball down your throat. You know what I mean? So I guess that's the archetype. That's the one they fit. Yep. For sure. All right. That looks like all we have. That looks like all we have, Jake. Let's go, man. Great show. Loved it. That was awesome. Um, I, I think I've uh, survived us through this show without making any critical errors. So that's good. No, that's you did really show. well, man. Right. Good shit. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if I missed your comment. I think I got them all. Um, but we'll be back, like we said, in studio tomorrow. Uh, and we're starting off we're really going to lean into hate week because it has begun, mm-hmm. but we needed to talk about this game and more of a analytical mind uh, mindset show. So that's what was today was about tomorrow is about hate and we're going to let yep. it flow through us. Uh, we have practice tomorrow too. I think we get coach primes press conference as well. So we got a ton of stuff coming out uh, over this week. I can't wait, man. I can't wait for the tailgate on Saturday. Shout out to everyone that we met over the weekend too. Um, the meetups and stuff, it was just the energy from everyone was amazing. And, uh, it just makes me so excited for the rest of the season. 
Yep. Go to the DNVR.com, drop down in the events side, uh, and you can buy tickets uh, to our Nebraska tailgate this weekend. Um, should be really fun. Also, if you're a diehard, make sure you use the diehard link. Um, that's, of course, a DNVR member because you get a discount on your tickets to the tailgate. Um, it's all you can eat, all you can drink. And, uh, or I should say food is provided and we're going to have, uh, all you, uh, plenty of drinks. I, I think I'm not allowed to say all you can eat, all you can drink. Um, but, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure you, uh, you don't leave thirsty. For sure, man. I can't wait. Shout out to everyone in the comments. Shout out to everyone watching. Be back tomorrow, man. Let's go buffs. Let's go buffs. Let's go buffs.